Hello, you're listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name is Valerie Koo and you can find us online at sydneywriterscentre.com.au. We're Australia's leading writing centre and you'll find a wealth of resources on our website and blog, including interviews with authors, writing tips and valuable ideas on how to get published. Whether you're interested in writing a novel, short story or articles for magazines, you'll find information and courses to help you get there. Or if you want to hone your business writing skills, we can help you too. Our presenters are the best in the industry. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Alan Sunderland is a television journalist and a children's author. He's written three books about a rat called Inspector Octavius O'Malley. His third book in the series has just been released and it's called Octavius O'Malley and the Mystery of the Criminal Cats. Alan has also written Refugee, the diary of Ali Ismail, which was part of the My Australian Story series published by Scholastic Books in 2006. He's also written Cosmo Cooper and the Lemons of Lock Barrel in 2002 and Toy Wars in 1999. Alan's job as a television journalist for SBS and the ABC has taken him all over Australia and overseas. He is still working full-time in journalism, but now he likes to write children's books as well as news and current affairs. Alan lives in Sydney with his wife and three boys. Thanks for joining us today, Alan. It's a pleasure. Now, you've worked as a television journalist for many years. Have you always wanted to write books during that time? Well, look, I guess, look, I've always had the theory that everybody who's a journalist, or at least the vast majority of us, have secretly harboured ambitions to write books at one stage or another. When you think about journalists generally, and I'm certainly no exception, um, the thing that attracted me to journalism in the first place was the idea that I could write for a living, write stories for a living, and uh, it, it was kind of accidental in my case that I found myself wandering into television and radio rather than print, but most of the people I've worked with over uh, probably way too many years in the business have at one time or another toyed with the idea of writing a book. So I guess it was always bubbling along there in the background because if you're drawn to journalism, you know, you're drawn to writing. Although journalism is quite different to writing books for children. So what, what drew you to writing books for children? Yeah, it is a, definitely a bit of a departure there. You've spotted that well. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit different. Look, you know, the, the simple answer, I guess, is uh, that I had kids of my own, a not uncommon phenomenon that draws people to writing for kids. Uh, I've got three sons who are now frighteningly old but uh, but when they were born um, you know you, you start reading to them you start telling them stories and making up stories you start reading children's books and I, I would guarantee there isn't a person out there who hasn't read certain children's books and thought gee I could do better than that <laughs> of course it's, it's another thing to do it but so yes it was certainly having kids of my own that I that opened up that as a possibility because I was you know they were my instant sudden audience, if you like. Mm. And how did you make that transition? Like, did you um, just start writing or, or what happened? Yeah, well, look, it's a funny thing. I mean, there is one thing. Journalism is definitely very, very different to, to writing fiction and particularly writing fiction for kids. But one thing that a career in journalism does teach you is not to be scared of the blank page. You can't afford as a journalist, particularly doing daily reporting, to sit around pondering what the you know the killer opening line is going to be, or whether you've thought through where this thing is heading, you, your life is ruled by deadlines. So you've just got to get in there and you've got to start writing. So I was lucky in a sense that I had that tradition drummed into me. Deadlines approaching, 
get the thing started and knock it into shape. Mm. And so uh, I, I went through a stage in my career probably about a decade ago where for the first time I stopped being a daily reporter and I uh, went into management. So I had a bit of time on my hands where I wasn't writing stuff of my own. I had young kids that I'd been telling stories to and making them up. And uh, and my wife, my partner, Julie, you know, just badgered me and badgered me to say, look, you've always talked about writing a story. Why don't you actually sit down and do it? And it, mm. was, it was almost as simple as that. Right. And was it easy to get into it or did it take Look, a while? I found, the first, I found the first story really easy. And I guess to be fair, because I'm still full-time uh, journalist and, and manager of other journalists. So mm. I wouldn't have written, I think I've written six children's books now over the last few years, and I wouldn't have written them if they weren't enjoyable. I mean, if it was hard work for me, if it was something I really had to force myself to do, I just don't think I'd be able to spare the time. Mm. So even right from that first book, I was very lucky in that I had had some ideas. I, I didn't do all the things that I think I probably wrote every, broke every rule in the writer's book. I didn't plan it out <laughs> carefully. I, I just thought, I'm going to start this and I'm going to see where it, where it heads. And, uh, and so I found the story really... Um, a pleasure to write, and then of course comes the inevitable problem of um, having finished it and put a full stop at the end. What do you do then? Yes. So, what did you do then? Did you take it to a publisher, an agent, or? Oh, look, I was, I was again looking back on it. I can't quite believe how fortunate I was. Um, I had no contacts, despite having a career in daily journalism. I had no contacts at all in the publishing industry. Mm. So I literally, it never occurred to me to get an agent. I just, you know, I went on the website, thank goodness for the World Wide Web, and I tracked down a few publishers that were publishing children's books, and I found a few that I thought would um, were prepared to look at unsolicited manuscripts, and as every aspiring writer out there would know, they are few and far between, mm. um, and I just sent it off cold, and I put one of those ingratiating cover letters on, telling them what a <laughs> wonderful person I was and how I was a journalist, hoping, you know, something to make it stand out from the pile, and uh, I did that to two or three different publishers, and I was very, very lucky that there was a lovely bloke um, who used to be the children's book editor at Scholastic by the name of Alf Mappen um, many years ago who just had a look at it. it. It caught his fancy, and he put it to one side, and it was probably oh, probably six or eight months before he was in a position to publish it, but um, he just, I, I contacted him, and he said, look, I like it, but I've just got no space for it. And it sat on the on the bench for a few months, and, and then an opportunity came up, and uh, and looking back on it, I can't believe how lucky I was. They signed me up to a contract uh, to write a second book, and, and off I went. Great. Now, your character, Inspector Octavius O'Malley, is a rat. How did you come up with the idea of a detective rat? Well, look, I, I'd, I'd written a couple of books, and, and my Octavius O'Malley book was about the third one I wrote, and I'd parted companies with Scholastic, my first publisher, and, and I had, after two books, finally decided to get myself an agent, which was, a, in retrospect, a very, very good idea. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, look, I want to write something that's fun and interesting. I've always had a soft spot for, for thrillers, and, and I just I needed a character. And look, you know, I, I, I just think with a rat, you can't go wrong. They're, <laughs> they're, they're interesting, they're smart, they're sneaky. But, I, but what I loved about writing about a main character who was a rat is that his starting point in life is that nobody likes him. His starting point is that people are suspicious of rats, they think they're dirty, they think they're, they're you know, nasty and, and, they're, and they're a pest, really. And I, I like the idea of having a character that you could make as endearing and lovable as possible, but who is carrying around this burden through life that everybody distrusted and disliked him. Mm. 
<laughs> and your another one of your books, Refugee, is very different to the mm. Octavius O'Malley books. It's about Ali Ismail and his story about leaving the Taliban and becoming a refugee for 15 months in Wimmera Detention Centre in South Australia. How did you get to know Ali and, and learn about his story? Well, Ali is... Um, um Sorry to have to tell you a completely fictional character, mm-hmm. um, but look, it, it was an interesting thing. That 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 book was one of the um, the my Australia stories that um, that Scholastic put out, and I went back and, and did that project for them. And I think they were interested in me doing it. It was the only book I've ever written that I was commissioned to write, which is I've right. got to tell you very scary because you know you, you take the money and you haven't written a word, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know you've got to deliver, but. Look, I, as a reporter, I've worked for the ABC and I've worked for SBS and inevitably that means I've covered a lot of issues, a lot of stories to do with um, the refugee policy and the detention centres. And, you know, although I said to you that Ali Ismail is, is fictional, mm. he's, he's, he's a composite of many, many people who went through very similar circumstances. So it was a really interesting process for me. I knew a lot of the stories. I knew what had happened. I knew what the policy had been like. Mm. I took some time to... Um, to read, there's, some, there's been some wonderful reports written with first-person testimony from a lot of um, of young people, young Afghani boys and others who've been in those situations as unaccompanied refugees. So I read up as much as I could. I got all of the information. I went over to Woomera, spent a week wandering around the detention camp there, met a number of the staff and, and people, priests and others who'd worked there. Mm. And I also then went to a school in Adelaide where um, a lot of the refugee boys had been taken out of detention and sent to school, and that was good, and that gave me an opportunity to to hear those first-hand stories. So although Ali was very fictional, I, I followed very closely, because um, it's such a contentious and controversial area, so I followed very closely the lifestyle of people who'd been through that. And then again, I was lucky when I'd finished it that I sent it off to um, one of the teachers at, at the school in Adelaide, who then showed it to uh, a couple of... Um, uh, refugee boys who'd been in very, very similar circumstances to my character. Mm. And uh, I was lucky that they read it and, and, you know, gave me some feedback on it, which made me comfortable. Because it's difficult to inhabit such a completely different uh, skin, if you like, and, mm. and you hope that you can you can make it resonant and make it, it realistic. So did that require considerably much more research than your other books? Well, given that my other books require zero research, yes. if in doubt about a detail, you just make it up. And <laughs> I've got to say, as a journalist, I love that so much. If I want, if I want uh, you know, the, the sky to be green, then the sky is green. Uh-huh. Um, yes, refugee required a lot of research because the format of those of those My Australia stories, which are very interesting, is that it's 12 months in the life of, of, a, of a young person mm. and they keep a diary. And mm. so I had my character... Um, in the very recent history, only a few years ago, and he was in Woomera. He was coming out of detention. So I had to develop a whole lot of timelines. I had to not only know what was happening in the Woomera Detention Centre, when the big riot was, when Mm. the breakout was. Uh, I then had my character come to Adelaide and get involved in a school there, which meant he was exposed to Aussie rules football. So Mm. I then had to know who was playing who the week in my diary that he was in town. Was there a game on that week? All sorts of things. What Mm. was the weather like? Um, so you had to have these parallel narratives, which took a lot of research. But of course, once I'd established that, the writing of the story then became uh, quite interesting because I knew where it was going. It was anchored to reality, mm. and I was then just bringing it to life as, as best I could. So it's obviously very different to the other books. Is there? A, do you have a preference? Look, I found both of them really interesting. I've got to say, if I were, if I, you know, had time on my hands and wasn't working full time. Um, I think I could spread myself off a lot more 
ambitious projects and, and a, a piece like a commission piece for Ali Ismail would be a wonderful thing and I'd love to do some more of it but but it is time consuming you've got to um you've got to set aside a fair amount of time and effort to do it properly mm. um so so for sheer enjoyment and for sheer pleasure um the kind of Octavius O'Malley adventures and others that I write where I can simply enter into a complete fantasy world and just make as many bad jokes as I, as I can think of uh, <laughs> is great fun and, and I'll happily do that till the cows come home. And is the plan to continue in full-time journalism whilst writing on the side or is there any plan to actually write full-time? Well, you know, this is, I guess, the... Um, this is the well-trodden path that every would-be author heads down. Um, I love my work. Uh, I've been a journalist for nearly 30 years, and so it's more than just a job. It is my, you know, it defines me as a person. Mm. Um, but that's not to say that I wouldn't love the opportunity at some stage in the future to concentrate fully on um, on writing fiction. It is enormously enjoyable. And, uh, and the only real barrier between that is... Uh, small matter of paying one's mortgage, yes. you know. So, you know, you're forever struggling with, um, you know, uh, I've just finished my Octavius O'Malley um, books are a, a, a three-book series for HarperCollins. I've just finished those. They've been enormously um, enjoyable. Now, if they suddenly sold worldwide rights for a couple of million dollars, well, maybe I'd think it's full-time <laughs> writing. But, um, you know, I'm a realist. And so, uh, uh, in a sense, the juggling act, if you can manage it, is good too because I, I suspect that although we all dream of being full-time writers, if I found myself locked in a small room eight hours a day with no one but my own imagination for company, I'd <laughs> probably go a bit nuts after that. Yes, all. I think so. But journalism, journalism throws you right into the heart of the most interesting things happening in your community, and that's a, an enormous um, source of, uh, you know, of, of pleasure and of, of stimulation. Mm. You said that one of the best thing, decisions you made was to get an agent. Tell us why that was so useful. Well, look, in the case of my wonderful agent, Debbie Golvin, um, I can be very specific because I'd written my first two books and, you know, uh, they'd gone okay. And I'd written a third book, which turned out to be my first ever Octavius O'Malley book, my magnum opus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd sent that off to the publisher who published my last two. And they came back saying, look, um, we love it. It's a great book, uh, but it's too close to other books that we're doing. It's a bit too similar. We don't really have space for it. Now, like all good authors, I just took that as a monumental personal rejection of me. Um, But anyway, I thought to myself, well, what do I do? I was at that crucial juncture. I'd had my third book. I thought it was good, and I didn't know what to do with it. And Mm. I'd I'd had one relationship with one publisher, and so it sat in my my drawer for a while. And and then I did exactly the same thing with agents as I did with publishers. I just went through the phone book. I asked around. I spoke to people. I got the names of three or four... um, Agents look like they kind of did children's fiction a bit along as well as other things and sent it off. And um, I was really, really lucky that Debbie Golvin down in Melbourne uh, had a read of it, enjoyed it, said, look, I'll, I, I've got good contacts. And that's the key with agents. She knew who would be interested in it, why they'd be interested and where to place it. Mm. And so, and of course, it helped that I had a couple of books published by then. So off it went to HarperCollins. And lo and behold, totally unexpectedly, they turned around and said... Um, a, we like it, mm. and B, we actually would like a three-book series. Um, and can you tell us the names of all three books? <laughs> now, there's a slight for our catalogue. The only problem was that I only ever thought of one. Right. So um, I played catch-up for a couple of years, but, but it, was, it was really encouraging. Um, and so from my experience, um, it really was useful to me to have somebody who knew the industry, who liked what I was writing, 
and could give me some suggestions and advice on where to put things and why. Mm. And sometimes that makes all the difference in that you were proactive about it because a lot of people can leave their manuscript in the bottom drawer and complain it doesn't get published, but that's because they haven't sent it to anyone. Well, look, that's right. And I, um, as I say, I am, don't get me wrong, I'll, I can be as easily discouraged as the next man. <laughs> um, and it would have been enormously easy for me to just give up after the first couple. And I have that awful tendency that many writers have that if somebody... Um, and if you send your book out and somebody sends it back saying, you know, very politely, mm. thank you very much, but it doesn't quite suit us, mm. um, it's so easy to say, oh, it must be awful. Mm. I, I, who am I kidding? I'll throw it away. What was I ever thinking that I could ever be a writer? And it took me a while. I was very lucky because I do get discouraged easily, but it took me a while to realize that there are a hundred reasons why people say no mm. to publishing books, and probably only one of those hundred is because the book's no good. Mm. Ninety-nine of them are wrong time, wrong place, not sure. And so persistence is, can be soul-destroying. Persistence can really depress you when you get knocked back off after knockback. But I have to say that um, it, it really does pay off. If you've got a sense, if you get good feedback from people who lead you to believe that the book is good, then uh, you know it can succeed in the most unlikely places, provided you just keep plugging away. Mm, that's exactly right. So your first book, Toy Wars, is about monsters attacking mm. Planet X. As this was your first book, was this this did this idea just pop out, or was it something that was brewing in your head, or you know? It certainly didn't spend uh, you know it didn't spend thirty thirty years um, you know gestating <laughs> in my brain. I have to say, look, you know, if you've got two young kids under five and uh, and they're in bunk beds in a messy room, then you do spend a lot of your time thinking about huge great piles of toys having battles with each other because that seems <laughs> to be their life. And so I quite unashamedly stole it from my from my two sons who are both now teenagers and will probably hit me for a share of the royalties once they, they hear this. <laughs> but um, so that was a really, that, that grew directly out of just life, life as a young parent, life with kids racing around. So I had, um, I had a, a, a chess set and a, and a bunch of monsters doing battle with each other. And it was as simple as that. I thought to myself, well, here's a bunch of chess players that just play absolutely by the rules. They're, they're really good, but provided they just take, you know, follow the rules exactly. And here's a little bunch of plastic monsters who can do anything. If, they, if my boys want them to fly, they'll fly. If they want them to kill, they'll kill. And so I thought, what happens when these two cultures clash? And it was as simple as that. And it was just taking one idea, one moment of, of uh, oh, yeah, that'd be interesting, and just exploring and, and, and seeing where it went. So do you receive feedback from kids about your books? Yeah, look, you do. And it's one of the great pleasures. I mean, unfortunately, because I work full time, I really don't have as much of an opportunity as I would like to go out and, and meet groups of kids, talk to them, do school visits and do readings. I've done a little bit, but uh, obviously time is really problematic for me. But when you do get those opportunities, I've been to my boys' schools a few times. I've got friends who are teacher librarians who will get me out and talk to a group of 50 or 60 kids. And look, there is no substitute for that kind of feedback because you read a chapter of your book to a bunch of kids and you immediately know what works and what doesn't work. You get, uh, you know, if they laugh at the right points, uh, mm. you know, you know it's working. And if they're staring out of the window waiting for playtime, you know it probably needs a bit of work. So that kind of feedback is just fantastic. And um, kids are just, there's no filters there with a lot of kids. So you'll get, you know, you'll get all sorts of interesting things. I get emails and letters sent to me from kids who will pick up on something you would never think kids would necessarily pick up on that they love. Mm. And that just feeds into the process for you. You know what they're responding to. Mm. And, and what are you working on now? Are you working on a particular project or, at the moment? 
Yeah, I knew you'd ask me that. Um, <laughs> look, it's been a little while. I finished my third Octavius book about a year ago, and uh, I, I was lucky enough to go on holidays for um, a couple of weeks to London earlier this year, and I thought, this is it. I've got two weeks away from the office, nothing to do but wander the streets of London and sit around on a park bench with my uh, notepad and pen and, and do some writing, and I thought, this is the moment I'm going to start a new book. And I wrote maybe the first couple of chapters, and you know what it's like? I got back and uh, read it a week later, and I just thought, you know what, this this story is not going anywhere. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm at square one. Uh, I'm open to suggestions. Um, but look, I, I guess it's a funny thing. When you've just finished a series of three books with the same characters, yes. um, those, those were easy because I knew who they were. And to me, the big key to writing is to get the characters and, and just follow them where they lead you. Yes. So I've, I've got to come up with a new character. That's my next challenge. And once right. I do... I'll just see where it heads. And so obviously you do work full-time. When do you fit in the actual writing? And do you just sit down and just go for it? Or what happens? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disciplined. I'm not organised. As I say, I keep breaking every rule in the book. <laughs> um, I try and give myself a bit of space. It depends on the stage that you're at. In the early stages of a book, when I'm really starting one, I need to give myself a bit of space. So I tend to wait until I have my annual holidays. I'll take three or four weeks off in one block when I can. Over Christmas, January, I'll go away and we'll go on a you know, camping or on a beach holiday and I'll sit down and I'll just try and, you know, the, the ideas have been fermenting for a while and I'll just try and get something started. Now, once, I've, once I'm over the hump, I might have written two or three chapters. I've got my characters worked out. I know the basic dynamic of a story, whether it's a, a quest or a mystery or an adventure, where, you know, how it all comes together. Once I'm at that point where I'm... I'm being where things go, mm. then I will try and be regimented. I'll say, okay, if I can write a 1,000 words a day for the next two weeks, I'll get another 20,000 words written and I'll be over the hump of it. So it depends on where I'm up to. But at the early stages, you, you've just got to give yourself enough space to, to really think about that and nothing else. So you would give yourself a target of something like a 1,000 words a day, even though you work full-time as well? Yeah, I did that, but only but only if I've got the time to do it. I'm really – I'm not I'm – not, um, you know, I'm not Superman, so if I'm if I'm in full time work and working a ten, twelve hour day, then then no, it's got to wait for weekends. But but for example, when I wrote my Ali Ismail book, I'd done all the research, I had the basic structure of the book, and I went away for two weeks on holidays. And I thought, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, I'm going to write a thousand words, and then I'm going to go off to the beach or go bike riding or whatever. And that might have some days it takes you know, an hour, some days it takes two hours, yeah. and I just do that, and then I go away and and I just keep the thing chugging along chapter by chapter until I get to the end. But that's and if you hit, you can hit a wall. I can. I've uh, I've been in situations where I've been so ill-disciplined about my plotting that I'll get to chapter 10 and there'll be a crucial plot point and then I'll think, what on earth did I imagine was going to happen next? <laughs> and I'll have to go away and let things mull and sometimes I'll have to step back. Uh, one of my books, uh, my Cosmo Cooper book, I, um, uh, I completely changed the ending. I wrote the entire book, got to the end of it and I just thought, no, this doesn't really work and I had to completely revise the plot and, and restart it from about chapter three onwards which is headed off in a completely different direction. Wow and do you actually think it's better to plot the entire story before you start or do you just let in some cases let it all just come out? Look I've always let it come out I've always had a basic sense of what I want to happen but sometimes I'm not sure why. I'm not sure where it's going to go. But I'll tell you what I do like about not plotting it all the way through. Mm. And that is that you, I really believe strongly in, 
in making your characters real people. I mean, okay, in my case, they're rats, but I think of them as real people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and one of the things about not being too precise about the plotting is that I can't tell you how many times I've been halfway through a chapter and I've started the chapter thinking that by the end of the chapter I'd have reached, you know, this point. And it'll go off in a totally different direction because I'll be, in, I'll be engrossed in my characters, they'll be heading off and I'll suddenly think, hang on, I bet they would do this. Okay, let's have them do this. And so that there's a certain freedom in that that you you really have to trust the own the dynamic that you've set up for yourself, and it mm. can lead you into some unusual places. And particularly if you're writing humorous stuff, and in my case, kids' books, you can afford that sort of wandering, and and it helps it helps the plot feel like it's been um, carefully um, you know organised when in fact it's just flown straight out of the characters that you've you've written on the page. Mm. Do you have any plans or desire to write for adults? Fiction for Yeah, look, I've thought about that a bit because I've kind of stumbled into children's writing. Mm. I'm not quite sure how or why mm. it headed in that direction, but I guess I have to believe it kind of suited my personality and it, and it, and it filled a need for me that wasn't being met by, met by the journalism. So it's a funny thing. In a way, I've, I've had this schizophrenic approach where what I do for an adult audience is journalism and mm. what I do for a child audience is, is fiction. Um, there's no reason in particular why I wouldn't... Um, why I wouldn't write for adults at some stage. And I have thought about it, but I guess in the short term, if you've got a, a momentum that's built on the kind of work you're doing, you tend to keep that going for a while until something comes along to nudge you in a different direction. Mm. It makes me sound a bit passive in my own career, I guess, but it's, it's the way I've operated, really. Something comes along and I think, oh, I'll, I'll head down this path. Sure. So for the time being, I think the next project, I, you can only really take these things one project at a time, will be another children's book beyond that. I'm just not sure. And finally, what would your advice be to aspiring writers on, you know, improving their writing and getting published? Yeah, look, I'm always loath to um, to be too free with my advice because I think it's a bit strange, you know. I've, um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to get a book published, and it kind of makes me an instant expert. And I wouldn't hold myself out as an as an instant expert You've at all. You've had more than a book published. Well, I've got a few out there, but look, I, look. Well, there's two things I would say. One thing I, I always say to, particularly when I talk to to groups of kids, because kids love the idea of writing and making up their their own stories. And you mm. can't talk to a group of kids more than five minutes before everybody wants to tell you what their idea is. And the advice I always give to kids is concentrate on the character. If you can't work out what to write or how to write it, don't worry about thinking out a whole elaborate plot because quite often that if you start with a plot, it'll be pretty threadbare and generic. Start with a character. Always start with a character. So for anybody who's wanting to write and dip their toes in the world of fiction, I always say think of a character, get that character moving, get them going on the page and then start to see what happens. And the other bit of advice I give people always is, is you know... By dint of 30 years of journalism, I know that the worst thing you can do is agonise over the quality of the first few words or the first few sentences or even the first few pages mm. because that's what, what stops people. They, they write a page and a half and they think, this is terrible, and they give up. Now, quite often it is terrible, but if you write 50 pages, uh, something good will emerge and then you can go back and tidy up the first few. You'll mm. know where you, whether that was really the start or not. So it's getting in there and just... Just writing, you know, no matter what and seeing where it takes you. And on that note, thank you very much for your time today, Alan. It's a pleasure. 
You've been listening to the Sydney Writers' Centre podcast on writers and writing. My name's Valerie Koo. You can find us online, including details about our courses, seminars and online learning, as well as information on our regular competitions where you can win books, movie tickets and literary experiences at www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au or visit me on my personal website, www.sydneywriterscentre.com.au ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo, K-H-O-O.com. Thank you for listening.